drive time, keeping you informed and inspired. We love God. We ought to be able to talk about him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information. From the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious. It's fun. It's your Catholic drive time. Good morning to you. Today is Monday, March 13th, 2023. It is the Feast of Our Lady of Pity of Garrison. Our Lady of Pity of Garrison appeared to a poor shepherdess in a cursed place that was infested with the devil. Our Lady asked the rector to build a chapel there, and she proved her authenticity by providing a sign of a barn, which was empty until that moment, was overflowing with grains of wheat. The chapel became a place of pilgrimage in France, and this story reveals that Our Lady can take a muddy and sinful soul and transform it into a sanctuary. She can impose her sovereignty and defeat the power of the devil. Our Lady appeared to a little shepherd girl to show her insistence in appearing to innocent, simple country persons where it is easier to live a holy life. Good morning to you. Happy Monday. Our Lady of Pity of Garrison, pray for us. And today is a good day to be here on Catholic Radio. It's so good to be here with you. You know, I have to ask, I spent a little bit of time asking for prayers for a friend of mine and his his wife. You may remember me mentioning Sarah Grant. We were praying for a miracle for her recovery when she was uh, dying of cancer. She actually passed away on Sunday. I'll read to you what I have here. Uh, my friend Ryan Grant's wife, Sarah Grant, went to her eternal reward at 1.15 p.m. on Sunday after receiving extreme unction and the apostolic pardon from Father Tara, FSSP. They prayed a divine mercy chaplet, and when it ended, she breathed her last. Please keep their family in your prayers. She is survived by her husband, Ryan Grant, and her nine kids, including a newborn. So if you could support that family, you know, we as Catholics... Just to help support our fellow Catholics, they have a givesingo.com. You can go to givesingo.com forward slash Sarah dash Grant. That's givesingo.com forward slash Sarah dash Grant. And you can uh, donate to them. They have a heaping of medical bills for all the cancer treatment they were doing and the their problems with their pregnancy, pregnancy of their, their newborn child. So they had to a lot of medical bills for that as well. And then, of course, the funeral cost and everything else. I can't even imagine the situation. Nine kids. They're, they're fairly young family as well. Uh, their youngest is only a couple months old, and their oldest is still, still very young as well. They have uh, no adult children. A very, very sad situation. So please keep Sarah Grant and Ryan Grant in your prayers. It is a definitely a difficult situation to be in some situation that I would never envy. So let's pray for her, the repose of her soul. Let's pray for Ryan. Let's pray for her kids. And let's pray for anyone who's suffering in anything like this. And on that happy note, uh, good morning to you, Tito Edwards. <clears throat> Sorry about that. Uh, good morning, Adrian. Yes, uh, it's a somber morning. And uh, eternal rest grant upon her. Definitely we need to pray for her soul and pray for her husband, her children, and any support that is coming their way, we should uh, definitely keep them in our prayers and uh, raise our voices up to heaven for for them. Yeah, for sure, for sure. I was I, I was asked um, what she was suffering from, and 
let's see, I have here from their Gibson Go account, it says that she was uh, in the hospital. Her pregnancy was very difficult. She could not eat and was not healthy enough to give birth. She was diagnosed with esophageal cancer, adrenocarcinoma, and had a C-section and surgery at the same time to deliver her baby and to remove a tumor larger than the baby. Holy moly. As well as another tumor in her bowel tract. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, so there you go. That's what she was suffering from. Very, very sad situation. But there you go. So on that happy note, and the, let's uh, jump into the show. So praise be to God. Let's keep that in prayer and just remember that our Lord, no matter what, what whatever is happening, our Lord is is moving and he his will be done in all things. I know Ryan is is still very um, trusting in the providence of God. It's very encouraging actually seeing his response. See, like, I, I don't know what I would do if I was in that kind of situation, but he's taken it in good stride. Uh, he even uh, was said uh, he put out um, this great post. He said, my, a friend of my wife's asked her to offer up her current sufferings for a little girl who lives in the area who had pneumonia as well as a collapsed lung, and she had no reasonable chance to live. But after Sarah offered her current suffering, the girl made a full recovery. Uh, so praise be to God. Our Lord works even in the most sad and difficult situations at 15 past the hour we're going to talk about some uh, grave public infractions of the fourth commandment honor thy father and mother at 30 past the hour dr joy po- joe poyman will be joining us to discuss the abortion pill situation you heard about walgreens selling abortion pills uh, what's up with that what's the situation there he's going to be on talk about that with us and in the next hour we have our fear and trembling game show But let's jump into the show. Let's begin in prayer, as is our custom. Let's pray primarily for Sarah Grant and Ryan and his family. Let's pray for whatever it is that you are suffering with today. Be praying for your intentions, your friends, family, benefactors, and all those that we promise to pray for. We'll begin with the Virgo Pater, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. O Joseph, Virgin Father of Jesus, most pure spouse of the Virgin Mary, Pray for us daily to the Son of God, that armed with the weapons of His grace, we may fight as we ought in life and be crowned by Him in death. Behold the faithful and prudent servant whom the Lord set over His house. Pray for us, O holy Saint Joseph, that we may be made worthy of the promises of Christ. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. And now your headline news with Tito Edwards. Good morning. You are listening to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. Today is Monday, March 13, and these are your headlines for today. Catholic World News reports a parish was burglarized in Connecticut with hate speech painted on the floor and wall. The attack on Our Lady of Lords Church in Ledyard, Connecticut, is one of over 249 acts of vandalism, arson, and other destruction at parishes and other Catholic sites in the U.S. since May 2020. Catholic News Agency reports feminists in Latin America attacked Catholic churches on International Women's Day. Various marches were held on March 8th for International Women's Day in Latin America. Some feminist groups, however, used the occasion to vandalize churches and public buildings of the Catholic Church. Mexico was one of the countries where the most violence took place in the country's capital, Mexico City. Protesters attacked the Metropolitan Cathedral located in Constitution Plaza. 
Catholic World News reports in one of a flurry of recent interviews, Pope Francis said that there is no contradiction for a priest to marry. Celibacy in the Western Church is a temporary prescription. He, he is quoted as saying, I do not know if it is settled in one way or another, but it is temporary in this sense. End quote. Ask whether the discipline of clerical celibacy could be reviewed. The Pope said, yes, yes. In fact, everyone in the Eastern Church is married or those who want to. There they make a choice. Before ordination, there is the choice to marry or to be celibate. At the same time, the pontiff said that he did not think that the ordination of married men to the priesthood would lead to a rise in priestly vocations. And finally, the AP reports the U.S. government took extraordinary steps this Sunday to stop a potential banking crisis after the historic failure of Silicon Valley Bank, assuring all depositors at the failed institution that they could access all their money quickly, even as another major bank was shut down. Silicon Valley Bank is the second largest bank failure in U.S. history. Those were your headlines this morning. God bless your efforts today. The Gospel of the Day comes from Luke chapter 4, verses 24 through 30. And he said, Believe me, no prophet finds acceptance in his own country. Why, you may be sure of this, there were many widows among the people of Israel in the days of Elias. When a great famine came over all the land, after the heavens have remained shut for three years and six months, but Elias was not sent to any of these. He was sent to a widow woman in Sarpeta, who belonged to Sidon. And there there were many lepers among the people of Israel in the days of the prophet Eliseus, but it was none of them. It was Naaman, the Syrian, who was made clean. All those who were in the synagogue were full of indignation at hearing this. They rose up and thrust him out of the city, and took him to the brow of the hill on which the city was built to throw him over it. But he passed through the midst of them, and so went on his way. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Cornelius Alapide had a lot to say about this passage here, especially about the situation with Elias and Eliseus. And, you know, a lot of people are not very familiar with that story. So I highly recommend checking out the commentary from Cornelius Alapide on this passage because I'm not really going to address that part of it. Um, instead, I'm going to address the, the first verse and the last verse. He says here in verse 24, And he said, Verily I say unto you, no prophet is accepted in his own country. Yea, O Nazareans, despise me as your fellow townsmen, and the son of a carpenter. Wherefore you are unworthy that I should confer benefits upon you. Therefore, says the interlinear, I work not among you, not because I hate my own country, but because you are incredulous. St. Cyril, as, that is, as a citizen, being always near to his fellow citizens, is deprived of the reverence which is due at the hand of those who know him. This is very important because many times I have been guilty of this, and maybe you have as well, and say, why are there no miracles happening in our time? Now, that's not true. We see miracles happen all the time. However, these grand-scale miracles that are were very common in the lives of the saints, and even not that long ago, Padre Pio, during his life, many, many public miracles. Why are there no miracles in our time? Well, Cornelius Lapide and our Lord is telling us right here. He's saying, because of the incredulity of you people. It is because we do not have faith. The general population 
does not believe in God and does not believe in miracles. Even most Catholics don't believe in miracles. Many priests I've heard talk about the miracle of sharing instead of the multiplication of the loaves and fishes. This is a grave, grave evil and is one reason why we do not see miracles in our time. Chrysologus remarks, to be powerful is in among one's own people is a biting and a burning. To be imminent among one's fellow citizens and neighbors burns up one's neighbor's glory. And if neighbors owe honor to a neighbor, they count it slavery. He gives this very interesting story about a parrot, and I'll share it with you because I thought this was kind of funny, and it's an excellent uh, description of the situation. He says, there is an amusing apology of a parrot which touches this subject. A parrot brought from the east to the west where birds of this kind are not common. Wondered that he was held in greater esteem and honor than he had been accustomed in his own country. He occupied an ivory cage plated with silver wire and fed on the daintiest vinids such as did not fall to the share of the others, which were only Western birds, but inferior to himself, neither in beauty nor in the power of imitating the human voice. Then says a turtle dove, shut up in the same cage with him. There is nothing wonderful in this, for no one receives in his own country the honor which is his due. A very interesting story, because what was happening here? The parrot believed himself to be so great, but it's only because he was different because he was he came in from a different area and so people were like oh very cool look at his feathers whereas the parrots that were in the home country even though they were just as beautiful they were just as skilled in in, in parroting people they are as not because they are common because they do not see the beauty because it has become it's kind of like the saying uh, familiarity breeds contempt it's a very much that saying explained explained uh, now last point that i want to make here is the passing between them. So they go to kill him. They take our Lord and they're going to kill him and destroy his body, cast him down upon the rocks and break his body into pieces in a dishonorable way. They're trying to crush and destroy our Lord, who is their kinsman. That is their cousins, their brothers, their sisters. Their, this is their family. This is the, his family here. And they try to destroy him. And what happens? Our Lord passes through them. And many uh, the scholars say that the that this was an invisibility that he became invisible. Others say that he sort of had a teleportation like thing. We don't really know exactly what happened, how he passed before them, but what we do know is that he passed before them. And traditionally, this is read on the fourth Sunday during Lent, and at that moment is a Sunday when you cover all the images in the churches. The images of our Lord, of Our Lady, the crucifix, all those images are covered to show our Lord passing away and that he returns on Easter Sunday. So let's keep that in mind today. Let's believe in our Lord. Let's believe in these miracles. Let's believe and have faith that these things can happen. So that way we be not like the Jews who rejected the kinsmen. Hey, Donnie, when we see Christ on the cross, what do we call that? A crucifix. And who said, preach Christ and Him crucified? St. Paul. As parents, we're the primary educators of our Catholic faith to our children. And if you don't know your Catholic faith as well as you should, that's okay. Just tune in daily to the Guadalupe Radio Network by logging online to grnonline.com. The Guadalupe Radio Network. Listen, learn, love, and pass it on.
Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. Have you ever thought, well, why can't a prayer at a Catholic Mass cause the Holy Spirit to come upon the bread and wine and thus turn it into the actual body and blood of Jesus? Well, here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, remember, three of the most magnificent miracles were a result of the Holy Spirit coming upon someone or something such as the Holy Spirit came upon the face of the deep and God created the world. The Holy Spirit came upon Mary and she brought forth Jesus in her womb. Secondly, a boatload of scriptural support, such as 1 Corinthians 10, 16, which says, The cup of blessing which we bless, is it not a participation in the blood of Christ? And thirdly, my honest reflection. Your transformation after a prayer for conversion was not and is not noticeable in the human eye. So then why do you reject a prayer which transforms bread and wine into Jesus' body and blood? I know the reason. Just a whole bunch of people have told you that. And welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca. And it's good uh, good to be on here with you today. You know, there's uh, stories that I want to cover about the fourth commandment. Before I do, though, this story I just saw come up, and maybe we'll talk about this at a later date, but this is very concerning, so I just thought it would be good to just bring up, at least casually, I, the papal preacher says, Peter was right. Paul got carried away. I'm like, what? <laughs> uh, so this is a reference to this part in scripture where Paul resists Peter to his face. You remember when Peter was refusing to eat with the Gentiles and was promoting the Judaizers and Paul resists Peter to his face and tells him that he's what he's doing is wrong. And Peter repents and he returns back to right practice. Now, they're saying here that the that Peter was actually in the right and Paul was in the wrong and that Paul got carried away in correcting Peter. And now this is a this is one a violation of holy scripture. You can't just change scripture interpretation. That's a plain reading of scripture and it's the reading of all the fathers that this is exactly what happened is exactly what we see. It's very clear. Uh the second thing that's important here is this idea to create a popolatry where you idolize the pope as as if he is god himself he can do no wrong so we have to explain away every little jot and tittle that happens out of the mouth of the pope and you have to if you're going to do that you have to start with peter and you notice our lord placed this situation in scripture so we would have a model of resistance against a pope who was doing things that were wrong that we can still recognize the papacy recognize that Peter has his power and has his authority, but resist him to his face should he deviate from what was handed on to him because the Pope is not lord over tradition. He's not lord over the doctrine and dogmas of the church, but no, he instead is the custodian for all of it belongs to Christ and he is his vicar. Now that I covered that in a brief moment. Good job. Yeah, there you go. Um, I wanted to cover something totally different. The fourth commandment, honor thy father and mother. Very important commandment. And I wanted to talk about this and use these stories as a jumping off point. Uh, Colin Kaepernick uh, condemns his adopted white parents who, who adopted him because they did not let him wear cornrows. They, he wanted to braid his hair. And he, they, he wanted to braid his hair, and his parents told him, though, that you would look like a thug. 
And so his now he's writing a graphic novel, and he was going on a speaking tour talking about how this shaped his life, how his parents were racist, even though, oh, yeah, my parents were great, but they were kind of racist. He's a black child, and his white parents adopted him. How could they be racist? That, that is the most absurd thing ever. And this is, comes off the, the, the tell of Prince Harry, who's constantly coming out and insulting the royal family and calling his family racist, calling the Queen of England racist, and all these other situations. Very, very bad. He's airing the public laundry of his family out in the public. And then one other story that I remembered that made rounds, got millions of views across social media platforms. Do you remember that self-described black supremacist who publicly defamed her white father? Yeah. Horrible. Horrible. I let me remind you what, what exactly she said. She said at his funeral, at his funeral, she went up to speak and she said, Dad, please know that I am grateful and highly aware of what you have done for this family, but I still don't miss you. When you died, I felt that there was a hole. I missed something, but it wasn't you. It was the idea of what you could have become. I miss being able to hope and wish that one day you turn a corner and see the world from my perspective. This solidified the fact that you'll never be what you could have been, but only what you are. And what you are is a racist, misogynistic, xenophobic, Trump-loving, cis, straight, white man. You are everything I aspire not to be, and I refuse to stand up here and sing the praises of a man who is the paradigm of white supremacy. I swear to God, I will make this world a better place, not at all because of you, but in exact opposition to you. What an evil and wicked thing to say about your father. What an evil and wicked thing to do to your father. And we're seeing more and more stories of people attacking their families, attacking their parents. Horrible and wicked thing. Tito, what are your thoughts? <clears throat> it seems like they're off on a uh, ther therapeutic uh, binge here. I, I, it's di difficult to discern what exactly, why, why the circumstances came up for them to, de to degrade and besmirch their own parents, especially the last one you, you said where she spoke at the funeral of her father. I, I, I see a lot of this as grandstanding, as promoting books, as, as getting their narrative and message out. But sometimes, sometimes when your parent tells you you shouldn't do that because you're going to look like a thug, that's all it is. It's not that there's a deep-seated hatred of, of people of color. It's not that because you voted for Trump that you automatically are labeled a bigot. It, it, this, I, I, you know what? I believe it's only going to get worse and worse and worse until we hit bottom, and I don't know where that bottom is. I, I'm a, a little bit concerned as what that bottom would be because I just see this, I see a lot of this ending in violence. Well, this certainly is reflected in the what the communists uh, did during uh, the time of Stalin, Mao, Mao Zedong. Uh, all of these situations, they promoted turning in your parents and destroying your families. Uh, it is considered virtuous to turn your families. And this is in exact opposition to the Ten Commandments. And let me read to you what St. Robert Bellarmine had to say. Because, you know, everyone's talking about Colin Kaepernick and Prince Harry and all these things. If you tune into literally any conservative or Catholic um, commentary on this, you'll hear tons of things. But I have not heard enough people promoting what the actual virtue is. So Robert Bellarmine, on the fourth commandment, he says, 
The fourth commandment follows, which is about honoring our parents. I would like you to explain to me why the commandments of the second tablet begin with the honor for mother and father. Robert Bellarmine says as an answer, just as the commandments of the first tablet consider God, so the commandments of the second tablet consider one's neighbor. And because among your neighbors there is no one closer to us or to whom we are more obliged than our father and mother, from whom we have life, because it is the foundation of all temporal goods. Therefore, it is most just that the commandments of the second tablet begin with the honor for one's father and mother. So notice he's making the point here that the first three commandments are designated of how our relationship is with God. The other ten commandments, the six other ones, are relation to us and our neighbor. So love of God, love of neighbor, the two great commandments. And the fourth commandment, the first of those that are addressing neighbor, is exactly related to our parents. Why? Because They are God on earth to us, not in the sense that we worship our parents and in adoration, but that they hold that office, that the way we treat our parents is in a manner the way we think about God. What is understood by the honor due to one's father and mother? So here, Robert Bellarmine lays out what exactly is our duty to our parents. He says three things, assistance, obedience, and reverence. Let me repeat that. Assistance, obedience, and reverence. Firstly, we are obliged to furnish assistance to our father and mother in their necessity, because assistance is spoken of which honor in sacred scripture. For it is very reasonable that sons should strive to preserve the life of those who gave them life. Next, we are obliged to offer obedience to our father and mother, as St. Paul says, Sons, be obedient to your parents in all things, for this is pleasing to the Lord, and all things which are in agreement with the divine will. For if a father or mother were to command something opposed to the divine will, then according to the commandment of Christ, we should hate his father and mother. This means to not obey them or to not listen to them in the same way as our enemies. Next, we are held to show reverence to our father and mother by preserving a special respect for them, both in our exterior acts and what is comparable to an honor and what is comparable in honor. God so commanded in the Old Testament that those who would have cursed their father and mother should be punished with death. Notice the the response to if you violate that commandment. Very, very important. And there are other things that are very important that St. Robert Bellarmine brings up in this passage where he talks about how the what kind of response the parents have and duties the parents have to their children. But I won't go into that today because instead today is about respecting our parents. And this is very important that he makes here, that we have to respect them. We have to give due reverence to our parents and not simply just try to help them when they need help. But we have to give reverence to them. And he says, in our exterior acts, this means not airing dirty dirty laundry. This means not publicly defaming your your parents, not publicly uh, condemning your parents. Why? Because they give you life. St. Thomas Aquinas, in this uh, same way, he talks about in his catechism on the Ten Commandments, on the Fourth Commandment, he says, Augustine says that we should love all, but we are not bound to do good to all. But among those to whom we are bound to do good are those in some way united to us. Thus, if any man have not care of his own, especially of those of his house, he hath denied the faith. Now, amongst all our relatives, there are none closer than our father and mother. So we ought to love God first, then our father and mother. Hence, God given us the commandment, honor thy father and mother. 
Now, this is very important to note because we owe respect to our parents, but in order to reinforce this, God gives blessings to those who honor their father and mother. Because remember, the, the commandment, the fourth commandment says, honor thy father and thy mother, that thou mayest be long lived upon the land which the Lord thy God will give thee. Notice that he attaches a blessing to the following of this commandment. All the other commandments, they don't have this. But the fourth commandment, he includes a blessing for those who follow this commandment because this is so important, because this is so necessary. So the world, the flesh, and the devil will try to attack our honor that was due to our parents. They try to attack it and destroy it because it violates a fundamental aspect of the family. And once you destroy the family, everything else collapses. If we do not honor our father and mother, this bleeds over to everything else in culture. Because St. Thomas and St. Robert Bellarmine in agreement point out, honoring thy father and mother also applies to the honoring of the clergy, honoring of the prelates, honoring of our government, honoring of our uh, country. All these things are tied in together. And like I said, the honoring has to be understood to say, if they are commanding you to do something that is contrary to God's law, obviously you disobey and you love God first. But in all other things, we owe piety. We owe reverence. We owe deference to our superiors, to all those who have blessed us. So keep that in mind today. Keep those things in the forefront of your mind because the world, the flesh, and the devil is seeking to destroy the family. And if they can cause division and cause resentment among families between parents and children, wow, what a, what a perfect opportunity for the devil to destroy your life. And St. Thomas, he says that we have to support our parents. We have to honor our father and mother. We have to, without honor, they are, you are a disgrace before the eyes of God. Imagine that. Imagine that. So today, maybe call your parents. Maybe tell them you love them. Maybe go and reconcile with your family. Today might be the good day to do so. And in the next segment, we're going to be talking, speaking of honoring your father and mother, we're going to be talking about parents killing their kids. Abortion pills up next. Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. Can you really say you know what praying the rosary is all about? So here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, listen to the who's who of the rosary. We have the Blessed Trinity. We have the Angel Gabriel. We have the Virgin Mary. We have John the Baptist. And we have Elizabeth. So how's that for a cast of sacred ones? Secondly, reflection. While saying the rosary, we reflect on 20 primary and sacred moments that occur in the lives of the Holy Family. And thirdly, the rosary dynamics. Here's how you involve this cast of holy ones in praying the rosary. You first invoke the three persons of the Blessed Trinity. Then, on to praying the Apostles' Creed. Then you will pray in Our Father. Then you will recite the angel Gabriel's words to Mary. Then you'll recite what Mary said to Elizabeth. And then you will relive John the Baptist being filled with the Holy Spirit in the womb. Then you will ask for Mary's assistance in your life. And I'm so glad to say none of that is idolatry. I've been listening to Guadalupe Radio for a couple years now, and I think it was a bumper sticker I saw on somebody's car one time, and it's a radio station that I don't have to be concerned about or worried about. When the kids and I are driving, I don't have to worry about inappropriate items. It's just the opposite. It's educational. I've learned so many different topics and on different subjects that I couldn't believe being a Catholic and being baptized as a child. There's so many things I didn't know, and now in these past couple years that I've been listening in, I've learned so much.
Welcome back to the Catholic Drive Time Show. Today is Monday, March 13th, 2023, and these are your headlines for today. Catholic World News reports the Santa Rosa Diocese is going to file bankruptcy in wake of nearly 200 sex abuse suits. Bishop Robert Vasa of Santa Rosa said in a, in a statement, quote, now facing at least 160 new cases with excess property depleted with insurance for many of the years either non-existent or exhausted, it is impossible to see any way forward without recourse to the bankruptcy protections our country makes available. Crux reports Christians are living under bondage in northern Nigeria, according to Archbishop Matthew Manoso Nangoso of Kaduna, located in Nigeria's Middle Belt, where the predominantly Muslim North meets the predominantly Christian South. Kaduna State has imposed limited Sharia law in areas with a Muslim majority. Nagoso said it is increasingly difficult to build churches or other Christian infrastructure in northern states like Kano, Sokoto, Katsina, and Zamfara. Catholic World News reports Pope Francis says that gender ideology is one of the most dangerous ideological colonizations today. Gender ideology today is one of the most dangerous, Pope Francis said in a recent interview. Why is it dangerous? Because it blurs differences in the value of men and women. All humanity is the tension of differences. It is to grow through the tension of differences, he continued. The question of gender is diluting the differences and making the world same, all dull, all alike, and that is contrary to the human vocation. And finally, the Weather Channel reports another atmospheric river event is likely to unfold across the western United States early this week, just days after California was drenched in heavy rain and high elevation snow. The first atmospheric river brought up to a foot of rain in the coastal ranges of central California and the foothills of the Sierra Nevada. In the Sierra, one to two feet of additional snow fell on top of the already impressive snowpack. I'm Tito Edwards, and these are today's headlines through a Catholic lens. Thank you, Tito, for keeping us up to date. And joining us right now is Dr. Joe Boyman, who is the founder and executive director of the Texas Alliance for Life, a nonpartisan, nonsectarian pro-life organization whose goals are to protect innocent human life from conception through natural death using peaceful and legal means. Joe Poyman lives in Austin with his wife Beatrice, and they have four children. Good morning to you, Dr. Joe Poyman. Hey, good morning, Adrian. Really good to be here. Ah, praise be to God. It's good to have you. And, you know, the situation, it's actually kind of old news, but, you know, I just realized not too many people were actually talking about the effects of this situation, which was the abortion pill situation. In the last segment, we were talking about honoring thy father and mother, but the inverse of that is the duties that parents have to their children. And among the duties that parents have to their children, number one is to not kill them. Uh, so I figured it's a good topic to cover, talking about honoring thy father and mother, to also talk about the abortion pill situation. So tell me about the abortion pill situation first. Uh, let's start with what is it? Well, yes, and I'm glad the way you uh, glad you started the way we did because parents and more broadly society has a right and a responsibility to protect our children from all kinds of dangers, including abortion. And the abortion pill is becoming prominent as the premier 
uh, threat to the lives of unborn babies uh, as in terms of abortion. Um, what we're talking about with abortion pills, we used to call it RU-46. Now it's got the trade name uh, or the name Mifepristone combined with another drug called Mif- Mifeprex, I'm, I'm sorry, called Mifepressil. Those two drugs are kind of a regimen and collectively together they're, they're used called the abortion pill, but it's the first one is used to kill the baby and it's taken by the woman these days mailed to people. They can take it at home, you know, in some states or that's happening and it's also happening illegally. Uh, the second pill is used t- uh, about 48 hours later to cause the woman to expel the baby in a kind of a violent, very violent and painful way to the mother. So it's that two-step process. And the, the second process is, is a lot of hemorrhaging and bleeding, not at all pleasant. Now, I want to point out, this is only used on a woman who is known to be pregnant. She's got to have a pro- positive pregnancy test. That's contrasted with something else, which is not the abortion pill. And that is the, um, uh, so the, the morning after pill. And the biggest one that we know of is Plan B. Now, that doesn't require a prescription, doesn't require a doctor. You can get it over the counter at uh, pharmacies and plan bill is not an abortion plan b is not an abortion pill because it doesn't um, it's supposed to work by preventing conception preventing fertilization so when you hear about plan b don't think about the abortion pill the abortion pill is way more dangerous it's in designed and intended to take the life of a baby after that baby came into being does the abortion the plan b pill ever cause abortion that was my understanding and i may be wrong about this is that the intention behind the Plan B pill is to prevent conception, but because it thins the uterine walls, that sometimes it can actually cause an abortion, even though that it's uh, not intended to. Is that the case? There's a lot of, yeah, that's a really good point, uh, a really good question, Adrian, because there's a lot of discussion on that. The FDA has just changed the label, and I don't always trust the FDA, but they, based on a lot of research and Uh, Some of our pro-life doctors associated with our organization have reviewed the literature and studies. And the best data available says if it works at all, and it's of all the chemical methods of birth control, it's got the lowest efficacy. If it works at all, it only prevents by, by, it only works by preventing the woman from ovulating and therefore preventing conception. If the human embryo is created by fertilization, uh, the best data available says it doesn't have any effect on preventing implantation. So, so the best data, and that's what all we have to go on, is is that it does not prevent implantation, does not work as an early abortion. That's there we're talking about Plan B, and again, that's contrasted contrasted with the abortion pill, Mifepristone. Thank you. Yeah, that that really helps clarify things. And, you know, I saw this the story from the CPAC where Abby Johnson went out there and was talking about the abortion pill. And I wanted to get your comments on what she said here about it. And it's, it was very shocking to me. I didn't realize how what what exactly happened when someone took the abortion pill. So this was shocking to me. They said they're passing these babies into the toilet, fully foreign babies, 12, 14, 16 weeks along in their pregnancy possibly hemorrhaging in their bathroom, unable to get to an emergency care facility, looking in the toilet and seeing their fully foreign baby floating there in the toilet. And then these women have to make a decision, right? What do I do with this fully foreign baby? What do I do with this child? Do I scoop this child up out of the toilet? Do I take this child to be buried? What do I do with it? Do I flush my child down the toilet? Is that 
is that really what's happening with these these pills? I was absolutely shocked to hear that this is a situation. You know, yes, it is happening, and it's it is horrendous. It is a very ghastly method of abortion. All abortion is ghastly, whether you can see whether a woman can see the results of the the baby dying or not, because it's taking innocent human life. But but what she describes is reality. Um, if you've ever seen the movie about her life called Unplanned, they have a fairly explicit scene about her taking that pill. So she knows this absolutely from firsthand, as well as working as the, as the director of a Planned Parenthood abortion facility in Texas, where she was involved with Planned Parenthood for eight years. So she's well-informed. Um, and, and what she describes as the horror that the woman goes through um, what we need to also remember is just generally the danger of this method of abortion, even in the best of circumstance. Now, what she was describing, I think, is if someone are, is given these pills and they're taking them at, as she, a woman is given this pill, she's taking them at home without any supervision of physician. She may not know how far along she is in pregnancy and later in pregnancies when the baby is bigger, as she's describing. But, you know, there's been a lot of studies about this and it so happens, you know, we're, we're, we're residing, I reside in Texas, I'm in Austin, Texas. Texas was the first place where the FDA tested this method of abortion in the late 90s, and then the FDA approved it in 2000. But under the best of circumstances, supervised, supervised by a physician in a hospital, and we have some studies from Europe that, that found this, it is the chemical abortion method is four times more dangerous than surgical abortion one in five women, this is under the best of circumstances, has a complication from bleeding to serious bleeding to having to have a follow-up surgical abortion because the baby didn't fully come out. I mean, it's pretty ghastly. Um, this is not something people should be doing uh, in their homes. Um, you know, e even if abortion were, were uh, legal, um, and it's not in Texas and many other states, fortunately, but this is not something sh people should be doing without doctor supervision. And there are a number of risks, I mean, serious risks, in addition to the baby dying, to that woman. If she's ectopic pregnant, has an ectopic pregnancy, and Adrian, that's one in 50 women, that's 2%. So there's, the, there's a chance if she has an ectopic pregnancy, she won't know that mm. unless she's diagnosed by a physician for that. So what happens? Well, the, the um, ectopic pregnancy can rupture, causing hemorrhaging, the baby will die, certainly, and she could bleed to death oh, and wow. thinking the pain is what the pain she would experience because they tell her she's going to be pain instead of going immediately to an emergency room to get treatment to save her life. So that's that's one one uh, one problem. Risk of infection and sepsis. She doesn't know how uh, how long she is necessarily in pregnancy. And if it's taken later, it may not be successful. The baby remove remains in her in risk of infection and sepsis. And, and risk of future fertility. These are all things that women taking these on her own, and even in the best of circumstances, can, uh, can be at risk of. Well, that is very concerning, and we're going to pick up the conversation right there after this short break. And there's so much more that we do not know about the abortion pill, but thank you to Dr. Coyman, who's going to let us know about more after this break.
Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. Your only daughter met a fine young man who was a committed Mormon. She now wants to join his church. What's your answer? Well, here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, a reason for no. Doctrinal positions such as the deity of Jesus and the Trinity. Your reason for yes. You deem seemingly moral character as superseding biblical truth. Secondly, orthodoxy. Your answer is probably no. But how and why? Your resistance to Mormon doctrine does not just come straight down from the Bible. It comes from the first five centuries of brilliant theologians, bishops, and popes. These Catholics wrote, debated, and fought for truth. Example, in 250 A.D., 311, and 417, three different popes excommunicated three different heretics, Sibelius, Arius, and Pelagius. They denied the Trinity, the eternal deity of Jesus, or taught that human effort warranted salvation. Would your pastor excommunicate a heretic? Well, unfortunately, your pastor can only remove someone from his local congregation. But that's okay. That guy will probably end up being welcomed in a church down the street. Ladies and gentlemen, this is your captain speaking. We're currently cruising at 39,000 feet. We'll turn that seatbelt sign off for you and let you move about the cabin. Looks like we're about two hours and ten minutes from landing. Plenty of time for you to meditate on Christ's passion. Wouldn't it be great if everyone meditated daily on our Lord's passion? Why not start today? A friendly suggestion from Guadalupe Radio Network. We are back. Good morning to you. It is a good day to be here. Praise be to God. It's so good to be here with you today on Catholic Radio. It's always a good day on Catholic Radio, I always say. But joining us right now is Dr. Joe Poyman. We're talking about the situation with the abortion pill, and I'm very concerned about this. I I always knew, obviously we know the abortion pill causes an abortion, so it's always bad because it's killing someone, right? But I didn't realize of all the things that were involved in the abortion pill in terms of risk to the woman, and risk, obviously the baby dies, but also what really kind of shocked me was the, the visual of saying you're, you're giving birth to your child into the toilet, and then apparently a lot of mothers just flush human beings down the toilet into our sewer system and that really that really i don't know why but that particular description really stuck with me i don't know why uh, dr joe appointment on that happy note uh, thank you for being on with us uh, pick up where you were taken off or feel free to comment on anything else that was just mentioned yeah ray adrian I'm, uh, you know you are are offended morally and emotionally and you should be we all should be not everybody is but we should be because this is just desecration of the human of a human life and you know when uh, our our nation has a long history of treating the dead with great respect um the marines say and, and and other branches no one is left behind on the battlefield okay we treat the the remains of people and to think that with great respect with reverence because they are human lives and to think this is how these our brothers and sisters who die from abortion kind of end up um just uh if, flushed down into the its municipal sewer system. That's just absolutely awful. And it's horrendous. And, and you know, it shouldn't be going on, obviously. Um, one thing to uh, remember now is how big is this problem getting? Well, for the last couple of years, the most common method of abortion, you know, reported in states where it's legal is this chemical abortion pill method. So it's growing. It's growing. And why is that? Well, doctors like it. Uh, abortion providers like it. The doctor doesn't have to do an invasive procedure on a woman like a surgical abortion. So there's less less for the doctor to do. Um, they they emotionally 
they give these pills to the woman, this, this two day regimen, two or four day regimen. She takes the pills at home. Okay. The baby comes out, not in the doctor's office, not in an abortion facility. They don't have to worry about dealing with the remains of the babies. It happens at home. So that woman is number one, all by herself enduring this. And two, if there's a complication, they don't have to worry about it. She will go to a, uh, go to a, hopefully find her way to an emergency room. And they tell her to not say you had a, an abortion. Tell her, tell the emergency room staff that you've had a miscarriage. So there'll be no criminal investigation. So this is, this is a really an underworld that has, has grown and proliferated. Um, we, we, my organization tracks Texas Lines for Life. We track these organizations that are providing them illegally because I want to point out that Texas, Louisiana, Arkansas, Oklahoma, a number of other states do have, uh, Tennessee, um, do have these very strong laws that protect unborn babies from abortion throughout pregnancy. Ours went into effect a couple of months after the Supreme Court overturned Roe last summer. So babies theoretically are protected here. Legally, they're protected in a bunch of other states. So, But we do know that there's an underworld trafficking, bringing in these drugs illegally, these methods of abortion illegally into Texas and other states. There's numerous websites. And one of the most famous is this one called Aid Austin, um, Aid Access. It's a physician, uh, a Dutch physician in Holland, and she's running this website. Um, the abortion pills get mailed to the client after she gets the credit card um, from India. And that takes two to three weeks. So she thinks she's not too far along to have the pills because you're only supposed to take them up to 10 weeks of pregnancy. She may be like Abby Johnson described, you know, 12, 13, 14 weeks later. And um, uh, then the risks to her get more horrendous and the risk that it doesn't work and then she has to later have a surgical abortion or infection along the way. I mean, it's getting really horrendous. What's really disgusting is that the Biden-Harris administration is promoting this in a number of ways. They're relaxing the FDA regs, such as they are, that prevents, that require that only doctors can administer these or that the doctor has to do them in person, getting rid of all those requirements, uh, these special requirements, because even the FDA knew there were special risks associated with this. FDA, the Biden-Harris administration is cutting back on that. They they are um, allowing and encouraging the mass pharmacies like Walgreens, CVS, you know, and Rite Aid to make them available by, by prescription. It used to be only doctors could be the ones that could be in charge of this. It had to go from the manufacturer to the doctor. Now the Biden-Harris administration says every Walgreens is now an abortion facility and uh, Rite Aid and, um, and, and CVS, and that's horrendous. Now, in these, Texas, these states like Texas and Tennessee and others, that's not going to happen because doing that is strictly illegal in our states. So I, I say CVS, Walgreens, Rite Aid, don't even try it in some of these states that, that have these good protective laws. And a lot of them in your, in your, uh, your listeners are in those states, but unfortunately not all. Is that um, include, uh, uh, so they don't have required uh, telehealth? Like they don't even need any kind of prescription or is it, is it over the counter? How does that work exactly? Okay. Yeah. Well, it wouldn't be over the counter. It would have to be with a prescription. The doctor could call in the script, Okay. call in the prescription, and then the pharmacist could administer them. Um, but 
that's um, that that is uh, that's not adequate because these really should be administered in the presence of a physician under the direct supervision of the physician, not just telemedicine, where the doctor maybe has some kind of a, a video chat with the woman. Um, she's on her own. She might be hundreds of miles away. Might be in a different state. You know, that's that's all um, really risky for the woman's health and and horrendous from that psychological point of view that you described. Um, now, pro-lifers are fighting back, and I want to point out that um, that there's a massive lawsuit that has been filed in Amarillo, Texas, by an organization out of Arizona called Alliance Defending Freedom, uh, ADF. It's a pro-life institution. It's a law firm, and they do a lot of good work. They are representing four pro-life organizations, um, medical organizations, and they filed, filed this lawsuit called Alliance for Hippocratic Medicine versus FDA. They're alleging that all these decades since 1990, these three plus decades, the FDA has been been negligent. They have wrongfully uh, allowed these uh, pills to be in the marketplace, and um, they shouldn't have. The data didn't pr didn't back up what their claims are that they were perfectly safe. And uh, this lawsuit is in federal court. Um, the hearing, the first hearing, is going to be in. Um, uh, in on, in our Amarillo, Texas, um, in uh, uh, three days on Wednesday, and I'm, there's going to be a lot of ink spilled over this one, Adrian. There's going to be a lot, and you're going to want to probably cover it. The next day, he could potentially, this federal judge could order the FDA to stop all use of these pills for abortions. Oh wow! Uh, Amen. Across the entire nation. Wow. Okay? So. All eyes are on this thing, and the abortion industry is just holding its breath. So this is a big one. It's really huge, and this could be a federal judge doing something we actually really like. <laughs> wow, I didn't even realize this was happening. I, I honestly hadn't even heard that this case had gone to this point and that this was even a, a possibility. So I'm really actually shocked uh, you're, you're breaking this to me live at this moment. So I'm, I'm pretty surprised and, and well, kind of you're, joyful you're, about it. Your listeners are hearing it here first, right, right on your show. There you go. Uh, there you go. Uh, Catholic Drive Time. Uh, Tito, you and, had a question? And they're going to be hearing a lot more of it. It's yeah. huge. <clears throat> Hi, doctor. This is Tito Edwards. I was just curious. We understand that there's long-term effects of having abortions that contribute to a high risk of breast cancer. Are there any studies showing something similar of taking the, this abortion pill post-fact? After taking the... Well, it would be the same, same, same thing? as other okay. risks. It would be the same as other risks from abortion. And, um, uh, you know, those studies, we were really into it. Um, I, I think there's validity there, but we haven't heard much about it in the last 10 years, probably. And, uh, um, you know, as far as long-term effects and the increased risk of breast cancer. But there's so many health consequences for these women short-term that, that it should, the FDA did really mess up and uh, they rushed it. Um, it was politics to make abortion available to women. And why? Well, of course, because uh, this is a falsehood, but the claim is that women need abortion in order to compete with men in society. Um, and you look at, let, let's just talk about that for a minute. Um, that's just not what we're seeing. Even as the rates of abortion have decreased across the country, um, the number of women in academia increased. The number of women in higher education, in, in uh, colleges, many colleges, the majority of attendees are women. Um, the majority of women in law school are women. Uh, it's getting to be that the uh, close to the majority of women in 
medical school are women. The trades um, are, are increasingly women. Um, economics, uh, uh, it's, it's, that's all on the increase. Women are in government. Women are in the increase. So as even as abortion becomes less available, women are doing better in society. We don't need abortion. And the state of Texas and so many other states, Tennessee, uh, they, uh, they, each state is funding alternatives to abortion at $100 million in their budgets. Um, that's huge. So there are alternatives to abortion. Women don't need it to advance in society. And let's forget motherhood is a wonderful thing. And amen. we wouldn't be here uh, talking unless unless there was such a thing as motherhood. Amen. Amen. And yes, you know, this goes right back into uh, the, the theme of the show today, which is honor thy father, thy mother. And uh, rights and duties are intimately tied together. In fact, they cannot be separated. So if a kid has a duty to honor their father and mother, then a parent has a duty to give to the kids, one, and primarily their life, and secondarily the care and nourishment that they need to survive. And Dr. Joe Poyman, thank you for being on with us. Where can people keep in touch with Texas Lions for Life and whatever's going on with y'all's uh, programs or y'all's uh, positions in helping y'all advance the pro-life movement? Oh, thanks for saying that, because I think a lot of your listeners may, may be interested, including across the, state, across the country, not just in Texas. But you can go to our website, TexasAllianceForLife.org. And, of course, we're on Facebook and Twitter, um, and we love providing the information. We, we think Texas is, is um, doing a really good job, and we, um, as are many other states. And, uh, but if you'd like to get, see what's going on in here in Texas from our point of view, um, love to hear, have other people do that. So TexasAllianceForLife.org. Amen. Amen. Thank you very much, Dr. Poyman, for joining us. And uh, that, it is so good to hear some good news. So we'll definitely have to have you back on uh, to talk about the results of the situation when that happens. So keep, uh, keep us up to date. Uh, God bless you. God love you, Dr. Poyman. Have a blessed day. And in the next hour... We're going to be talking about some of the some more things regarding the fourth commandment. So it's a it's a fourth commandment kind of day, an honor of thy father and mother kind of day. So that's going to be more of that coming up next. But also our fear and trembling game show is coming up. So if you can join us, stay on. If not, we'll, we'll see you tomorrow morning, six a.m. Central, seven Eastern, across the Guadalupe Radio Network. God bless you. God love you. And I'll see you on the other side. It is here where you'll find the best marriage counselor greatest healer, wisest teacher, and closest friend. It's a place where you'll escape the chaos of the world and find the lasting peace that only comes from God. Jesus is personally waiting to embrace you now with his divine mercy and healing love. Jesus is calling you home to his sacred heart today. Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. I would imagine your pastor preaches from the text which says, We preach Jesus Christ crucified. So then, where's the crucifix in your church? Well, here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, history. Under the dread of persecution and death, the crucifix was displayed at Mass, but with great caution due to the threats of the Roman emperors and the pagan haters of Christianity. Traveling up through time, Pope Pius V in 1570 made it mandatory to display a crucifix in every church. Secondly, the Bible. 1 Corinthians 
1 says, But we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block. You see, there was never any embarrassment of his corpse. In fact, two men of great renown, Nicodemus and Joseph of Arimathea, boldly handled the dead body of Jesus. And thirdly, my comeback. You see, at times, the early church held mass in the catacombs to honor the shed blood of the brave martyrs. Sad to say, many contemporary churches don't even have a cross in their church, let alone a crucifix. Also, could a crucifix on your neck cause others to think you are Catholic? St. Peter, it must have been horrible when you heard that rooster crow. Hi, Julie Carrick here, host of We Sing Our Faith, sharing the music and ministry of many of today's Catholic recording artists. I am delighted to be the host of this weekly program on Saturday mornings at 9 o'clock Central Time. Julie Carrick with We Sing Our Faith, Saturday mornings at 9 o'clock Central, here on the Guadalupe Radio Network. A beacon of truth in a troubled world. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. Hi, I'm Karina. And I'm Betsy. And And we're we're with with Catholic Charities. Charities. You're listening to AM 1430 KSHJ Houston. Part of the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for for your soul. And welcome back to the Catholic Drive Time Show. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca, and it's so good to be on with you today. It's always a good day to be here on Catholic Radio. It's an awesome day. It is an awesome day. It is an awesome day. Good morning to you, Tito Edwards. Good morning, Adrian. That that was inspiring, that the breaking news that the doctor uh, had for us, breaking out of Amarillo, where the potential of stopping all abortion pills being just on the table. On the table. Amen. That's pretty cool. Yeah. I, I had no idea. How did that get past me? I, I like watch the news like a hawk. I'm always trying to find things that are not being reported because, you know, some people, a lot of news is just not talked about even among conservatives, things like that. And I, and I try to find those kind of stories, but I didn't even see this as a, as something that was even on the table. I was so surprised. I didn't see it on Catholic Vote. I didn't see it on the other political uh, Catholic blogs. I didn't see it coming up on any of my news feeds for the last 20, 36 hours. So this is a nice surprise. It is a nice surprise. So hopefully that gets passed. And if it does, or if it doesn't, whatever happens, I'm going to invite Dr. Appointment back onto the show to have a conversation with him about that situation. Dr. Appointment is pretty awesome, dude. He was actually, if I'm not mistaken, he was a, mm, I want to say a rocket scientist before he decided that he wanted to dedicate his life to uh, the saving the unborn. And so he's actually not a, he's not a medical doctor. He's a, a doctor in like astrophysics or something like that. I forget what specifically. I may be getting that slightly wrong, but he's uh, definitely a very, very intelligent man. So it's it's pretty impressive how he just uh, abandoned his career in something very lucrative, something that he had his expertise in, in order to dedicate his life to saving the unborn. It's so inspiring. You never know what God calls people to do. Just like Peter was fishing and being a simple fisherman, he called them to be the leader of the apostles, to be the bedrock of the church. So to have uh, an astrophysicist come out and, and be a uh, professional and a spokesperson for such a uh, uh, activity that is wonderful to hear yeah so he had his so just to make sure i'm not making things up it pulled up his uh where he got his phd from he says 
He holds his Ph.D. in aerospace engineering from the University of Texas at Austin and a B.A. in aerospace engineering and a B.A. in philosophy from University of Notre Dame. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. Impressive. (laughs) And he worked three years as an engineer for NASA. Impressive. That's awesome. Yeah, that's pretty cool. I didn't know that. I knew he was something to do with aerospace and things like that, but... That's pretty awesome. He he abandoned a career, a very lucrative career in, in engineering, to dedicate his life to the pro-life cause. That should be an inspiration to us to at least do do a little bit, just a little bit, for the pro-life movement. And Nick was commenting on our social media feeds. He said that uh, rosary rallies at the business office of Walgreens, CVS, would be a good move. That is a great idea. The the TFP were actually doing a a rosary rally in front of Walgreens headquarters a couple weeks ago in response to this situation. And if we had rosary rallies all over the country, get get together a group of people from church, some families, some friends, head over to your local business offices for Walgreens, CVS, et cetera, et cetera, and have a rosary rally, I think that would, at the very least, it would put a an eye on something and let people know. Because, you know, peop- most people are unaware of things that are happening in the news. Most people are not even aware that these things are happening. And if you say, have a hold up a sign that says, stop uh, Walgreens having abortions or something like that, it really will, people are like, wait a second, Walgreens is having abortions? That's weird. And it really would strike them. And you'd be surprised how many people who work in the business offices probably are completely unaware that these things are happening. So it would also educate those people who work in those offices so th- that's a great idea, and we definitely need to have more displays of our faith in the public square. I certainly agree with that sen- sentiment. Just that one little group on TFP right in front of the headquarters of Walgreens, they stopped uh, distributing the pill to 20 states of the red stripe variety. And imagine what you were saying if many of us would just go to the many different CVS's, Rite Aid's, uh, Walgreens uh, stores all over the country and have two or three groups of people or more just praying the rosary and, and bringing attention to that. The, imagine the compound prayers coming, coming along down the pike and having the effect it would on those companies. Let me give you all a little insider information. Just don't, don't tell anybody. It's just between you and I. There, this is a very big secret amongst organizations, it really does not take many people to cause them to change their positions on things. They get a couple emails because usually most people just complain about things online. They don't actually contact and make public displays of resistance. But let me give you a, some, some secret information. All it takes is 10, 20 people sending emails, writing letters, giving phone calls, two different organizations and they freak out because they think they, the thought process is a one person symbolizes a thousand other people who have the same opinion. And when they start getting more and more calls, like, Oh my goodness, there's a ton of people. So that's, that's how the left plays this game where they start calling people's businesses to get them fired. And they try to get people canceled. They get them to change their opinion, to release public statements, supporting evil ideologies. That's how they do it. Now, what if we use that tactic in reverse? What if we use that tactic but to promote uh, virtue rather than vice? What if we use that tactic to get people to shame companies into doing what is right? Because, you know, we always talk about Catholic guilt. And Catholic guilt is a good thing where you 
you like you miss mass and you're like, oh man, I feel terrible. I miss mass. And we people talk bad about Catholic guilt, but it actually is something that inspires us to stay on the straight and narrow. So let's instill some Catholic guilt into some of these companies. If we had maybe, and I don't want to attack local businesses, but if we had five, ten people outside praying the rosary, holding up signs in front of your local Walgreens, I guarantee you those Walgreens would probably release a statement saying or put up a sign saying we don't do abortions here or things like that. And because they would be absolutely uh, aghast that there are people resisting this position. So there's a little a little tidbit for you today. There, it, just a small bit of resistance, small public displays of faithfulness goes a long, long way. Not to mention all the graces you receive from playing, praying public rosaries. Um, those, those are always beneficial to society. But, you know, I was thinking about the, the fourth commandment. And St. Saint Thomas Aquinas, I was actually reading the Aquinas Catechism on Friday. We were covering the topic of the fourth commandment. And it talks about what children owe their parents. And I wanted to read to you what St. Thomas had to say here. And there are more about the fourth commandment. If you were on our Telegram chat, then you would get our, the entirety of the Aquinas Catechism series. But here's a little excerpt. It says here, Now because we owe our birth to our parents... We ought to honor them more than any other superiors, because from such we receive only temporal things. He that feareth the Lord honoreth his parents, and will serve them as his masters that brought him into the world. Honor thy father in work and word and all patience, that a blessing may come upon thee from him. And in doing this you shall also honor thyself, because the glory of a man is from honor of his father, and a father without honor is the disgrace of his son. Again, since we receive nourishment from our parents in our childhood, we must support them in their old age. Son, support the old age of thy father and grieve him not in this life. For if his understanding fail, have patience with him and despise him not when thou art in thy strength. Of what an evil fame is he that forsaketh his father. And he is cursed of God that angereth his mother. For the humiliation of those who act contrary to this, Cassidorius relates how young storks, when the parents have lost their feathers by approaching old age and are unable to find suitable food, make the parent storks comfortable with their own feathers and bring back food for their worn-out bodies. Thus, by this, affection, this affectionate exchange, the young ones repay the parents for what they received when they were young. Should we be worse than animals? Should we treat our parents worse than animals do? No. So let us give great honor and respect to our parents. Have you ever thought about that, Tito, about that situation? I think about that quite often. The, some of the, the work that my wife and I do on going to the Elderly Folk Center uh, is just it's becoming a privilege just to be there and serving them and helping them because I, I can't think of how much my parents did so much for me, put up with me, with my attitude, with my opinions, with my stubbornness, with my mistakes. Uh, it, it's it's almost unattainable to, to repay that. And so this is one way to do that. And, and I've reflected on many of those things that were said, and it is just impressive, the wisdom that comes from the books of the Old Testament and the New, the wisdom that comes from practice and 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 uh, the teachings that we hear from from the saints and the prophets, it is 
imperative upon us to do, to honor our father and, and mother and take care of them in old age. I, I, uh, I can't say anything more than that. Without, Absolutely. Yeah. No, that's good. That's good. And one thing that I thought is, you know, I am not the best son. I have situations where I'm upset with my parents. And, you know, I was thinking about a friend of mine who is just just really models. I, I think about this all the time. She has a lot of disagreements, and I won't try to get into too many details because the, I don't want to reveal who it is, but I have a friend who has a lot of disagreements with her parents. They have a very strained relationship. And, you know, every time I, I talk to this friend of mine, she tells me about the, some of her some of the things that are happening in her family, and it, it's, it's very saddening to me, and it's very shocking to me, the situations. And but she never she always has this deference to her parents and always makes excuses for her parents and says, yeah, I, I mean, they did X, Y or Z. But, you know, they my parents are, are great. They love me. They were raised me very well. I'm very grateful for all that. Uh, but this situation, that situation. And I understand they're probably thinking X, Y or Z, but I just don't agree with that. And, and they she always has this. This air of deference and air of respect, even whenever she's uh, criticizing her parents. And I'm like, wow. And she never does so publicly and never among other people. And it's kind of how I kind of was uh, talking about last week about the reaction I had when Jordan Peterson was coming after Pope Francis. And I'm saying, yeah, I mean, I can I have many, many criticisms of Pope Francis, many and I'm fine with bringing them up and talking about them, especially on when on Catholic radio and among other Catholics. But whenever a secular person comes out attacking the Pope, I'm like, whoa, 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 that's my father you're talking about. Like, that's, that's not cool. You, you don't do that. In the same way, my brother and I may, may talk about it. Like, oh, dad's doing X, Y, or Z again. Or, oh, can't believe dad did that or said that. Oh, dad, don't do that. that that's embarrassing. Um, but among in the public, no, you don't. We don't ever. You don't ever talk about your parents that way. You don't mock your parents. You don't stir them to anger. And I'm not perfect at that. I don't excel at that. Uh, but it's definitely the the ideal. It's the situation they have to be in. And in in response, also, and maybe it's worthy of having a whole conversation about this. The the duties that parents have to their children, but also in the Holy Scripture, it says what that parents do not stir your children to anger. Uh, for the anger that your children have, the resentment your children have will be upon you. And John Vianney had some scathing uh, sermons against parents uh, in regards to their raising of their children. Uh, so don't think that uh, just because your your parent your kids have this obligation to you, uh, that means that uh, you're scot free and gonna gonna do what you want. Like ha ha ha, uh, my children are my slaves. Uh, but no, not quite, not quite. There's still a lot of things, but really the excesses tends to be the children disrespecting and dishonoring the parents. And it's really this destruction of the fourth commandment that has led us to this grave and horrible situation that we find ourselves in the 21st century. So what's the call to action for today? Read the Ten Commandments. Do you do you have the Ten Commandments memorized? The Ten Commandments combat perfectly the grave errors of our day. So meditate upon that today. Go read with the saints their commentaries on the Ten Commandments. That would be a good practice to do today. But that's going to lead us into our game show. The number is 877-757-9424. 877-757-9424. 
You can call now to be our contestant on our Fear and Trembling Game Show. The number again is 877-757-9424. That number you can call. We'll be right back after the short break. Fear and Trembling coming up next. Hey, Donnie, what do we say when we make the sign of the cross? In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Did Mama teach you that? As parents, we're the primary educators of our Catholic faith to our children. And if you don't know your Catholic faith as well as you should, that's okay. Just tune in daily to the Guadalupe Radio Network by logging online to grnonline.com. The Guadalupe Radio Network. Listen, learn, love, and pass it on. This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Minute. How many times have you heard someone say that they don't like the Catholic Church because it's so dogmatic? Well, G.K. Chesterton says you cannot live without dogmas. You cannot act for 24 hours without making a decision based on some deeply held belief that you cannot prove. Man can be defined as an animal that makes dogmas. Trees have no dogmas. Turnips are singularly broad-minded. In truth, there are only two kinds of people. Those who accept dogmas and know it, and those who accept dogmas and don't know it. So when someone objects to the Catholic Church for being too dogmatic, it only means that they are dogmatic against it, even though they have no idea what their own dogmas are. Want more than a minute? Visit us at Chesterton.org. Hi, this is Dr. David Anders from EWTN's Call to Communion. I believe that the Ministry of Catholic Radio is one of the greatest tools we have in the Church for evangelism today. I hear from people all over the world on a daily basis who have encountered Christ in the Catholic Church for the first time by listening to Catholic Radio. Please support the Ministry of Catholic Radio today. Support Guadalupe Radio Network. Welcome to another round of fear and trembling. (laughs) The Catholic Trivia Game Show that helps you work out your salvation by the seat of your pants. It's a 50-50 chance and prizes are involved. Avoid the weeping and gnashing of teeth. Call now to take your shot. 877-757-9424. 877-757-9424. That's the number to call to be part of our game show, Fear and Trembling, where you can win prizes. 877-757-9424. No, I said that completely wrong. 877-757-9424 is a number to call to be part of Fear and Trembling Game Show, where we ask questions and you give us the answer. So the questions, it's very simple. I'm going to ask three Catholic trivia questions to Tito. And Tito's going to give me an answer, and it's going to be your job to tell me whether or not Tito is right or if he's wrong. It's going to be true or false questions, very simple. It's a 50-50 chance of you getting it right, and every right answer gets a option in the coffee cup of divine providence to win a prize. That number to call, because right now I'm looking at the phone lines, and we see that there are a complete opportunity for you to be on the show, 877 877- Seven five seven nine four two four. That's the number. And today, what's the prize, Tito? 
Thank you, Adrian, for asking. The prize is a Children's Prayer Journal Plus, a sticker bundle of four stickers, as well as a Marian Holy Card from Sunday Saints. Sunday Saints is an online store that sells prayer books, apparel, blankets, cards, and stickers, all at SomedaySaints.com. Very, very cool. I was looking at their website and looking at this children's adoration journal they're giving away, and that is super cool. I really think that's a really neat little product there for your kids. It's the Catholic Children's Adoration Journal. Very neat. And they have a, I also have noticed it's also a blog too. And the number to call to be able an opportunity to win this prize is 877 757 9424. We're waiting on your call to join the game show. And, you know, I was looking through their website, and I saw that they also have this blog. And one of their blogs was five tips to taking children to adoration. And I know a lot of people who talk about how, you know, I'd I'd love to go to adoration, but I don't want to bring my kids because I don't know if they can behave. And she gives some great tips on how to take your kids to adoration. And one of their tips, of course, is like, hey, this this prayer journal is pretty cool. The kids will love it. But that number to call is 877 Seven five seven nine four two four. And uh, thank you to SomedaySaints.com. SomedaySaints.com. Uh, the number is eight seven 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 five seven nine four two four. You can be the contestant. We take the first caller every day, and it's the great opportunity to get a prize that'd be great for your kids to be able to learn the faith and to be able to spend time with our blessed Lord in adoration. Uh, one more time, that number to call is 877-757-9424, 877-757-9424. And if nobody calls in, then i tell you what we're going to do. I We're going to do the game show, and we're going to have the uh, questions asked to Tito, as is our custom, and then we're just going to tell the answers, talk about the answers, and I'm just going to put in my favorite favorite listener's name into the coffee cup of divine providence. So, yes, in fact, I do, I do have favorites. It, it may be my grandma, but I, I won't choose my grandma. Don't worry. I won't do that. But that number to call, and you can write down the number if you would like. I know this week is a spring break week, so a lot of people are not on their normal drive into, the, uh, into their into school. And so there's a... A lot of kids that are on vacation this week, so praise be to God for that. But praise be to God. We, it looks like we did get some callers on the line. I see then the calls come through. And if you don't get on today, well, make sure you call in tomorrow because we're going to have a, a more opportunities to be on the show tomorrow morning. So write down that number, 877-757-9424. Uh, but thank you very much. Uh, but joining us right now via phone is Terry. Good morning to you, Terry. Good morning. Terry, where are you calling from? Lugenbach, Texas. Lugenbach, Texas. Hanging with Waylon and the boys. Very good. Very good. Praise be to God. That a lot. I'm sure you do. I'm sure you do. Man, I love that song. That's I, I only ever listen to uh, old Western music, so that's that's some good music right there. Praise be to God, Terry. Uh, where are you off to this morning? Um, spring break. Spring break. Yeah, that's everybody. Everybody's on spring break this week. Where are you headed? Um, just do ranching. Nice. Praise be to God. And how's your Lenten practices coming along? It's going. 
Praise be to God. You know, it's you're surviving it, and that counts, you know? Yes, sir. Absolutely. Praise be to God. I, I am surviving my Linton practice as well. I'm just barely getting through it. But are you familiar with how the game works? Are you ready to play? Yes, I am. Awesome. Let's do it. Thank you very much. And let's go into the first question. The first question. Name the fourth sorrowful mystery of the rosary. Tito? The fourth sor- the fourth sorrowful mystery of the rosary. I would say the crying at the pillar. The crying at the pillar. Correct. What you're saying. Okay. Yep. All right. Well, Terry, this is a very tricky question, I would say. The question on the board is, name the fourth sorrowful mystery of the rosary. Uh, Tito says that it is the crying at the pillar. 15 seconds on the clock. Terry, what say you? Is he right? Is he wrong? Is he lying to you? Is he telling you the truth? What say you, Terry? He's not lying, but he's pulling my leg. No, that's not correct. Okay. Nailed it. Very good, Terry. Praise be to God. You got that right. He could not trick you. In fact, the fourth sorrowful mystery of the rosary is the carrying of the cross. That is the carrying of the cross. But you knew that already, right, Terry? Of course. Of course. Praise be to God. Are you ready for question number two? Yes, sir. Oh, let's do it. All righty, Tito. Here we go. This question, I'm looking at the question here. Very tricky. We'll see what you answer it. Who was the church's first martyr? The first martyr? The first martyr. Huh. I think he was chased down by a mob instigated by St. Paul. And so he would be the proto-martyr because... The church wasn't announced yet, but the, I would say the first martyr is St. Stephen. St. Stephen, you're saying? Yep, that's okay. Stephen. Yes. St. Stephen, that's a, that's a good answer right there. All right, Terry, this question is, who was the church's first martyr? And Tito seems to think that it was St. Stephen who was stoned to death by the actions of St. Paul. Is that true? Is it false? What say you, Terry? The omniscient one is correct. This one is correct, he says. Very good, Terry. Nice. Terry, you you know your faith. It's very clear to me. You know your faith. And, you know, I was thinking about it. I was like, you know, this is a little bit of a tricky question because one could argue that Our Lady was the first martyr. You know, her heart was uh, pierced with the swords at the crucifixion of our Lord. And some might say, but it it is actually correct. You are right. It is, in fact, St. Stephen. He was the first martyr. But uh, are you ready for question number three, Terry? Yes, sir. Well, let's do it. The question on the board. A long, decorated band of cloth worn around the neck and crossing the chest of the priest during the Mass is called what? It's called, the contemporary name is called the necktie. Oh, the necktie, you're yes, saying? Yes, that's what they okay. call it after Vatican II. The oh, necktie. wow, they changed the name to necktie. Correct. Okay, very interesting. Very interesting, the necktie. I mean, I, I personally like wearing neckties. So um, do I. Was, does that make me a priest? That's interesting. You should ask. I, Let's wait okay. until proclamation. I, I will ask. I'm going to submit a dubia uh, to Rome in order to uh, find out, does me wearing a necktie make me a priest it's it's a good interesting question okay terry 
The question is, a long, decorated band of cloth worn around the neck and crossing the chest of the priest during the Mass is called what? Tito seems to think that it's called a necktie, and I'm wondering if that makes me a priest or not. And whereas uh, the... So it's your job to tell me, is it is he right? Is he wrong? Is he telling the truth? Is he giving you a falsehood? What say you, Terry? I might have been born at night, but I didn't. I wasn't born last night. No, that's not correct. <laughs> that is not correct, he says. Way to go, Terry. Could not be tricked. Wow. Refuse to take the bait. Way to go, Terry. Do you know what the actual answer is? Is it a stole? It is a stole. <laughs> yes, Very sir. Good. Praise be to God. Oh, my goodness, Terry. You nailed it. Uh, you, you, I didn't even need to help you give you the answers. You probably knew all three of those answers. I could have just asked you, huh? No. Nah. <laughs> no, but it is correct. It is, in fact, called a stole. That is the long, decorated band of cloth worn around the neck and crossing at the chest of the priest. And and just to answer the question, no, me wearing a necktie does not make me a priest. Um, and just in case anybody was confused confused by that statement. But thank you for calling, Terry. Praise be to God. Stay on the line, and we're going to get your contact information so... We can draw your name, and if your name be drawn, we will send you the prize. Do you have any? You have uh, kids that you? Any particular kid you wanted to, like to give uh, an adoration journal to? Ah, uh, yes, the entire class at St. Mary's School in Fredericksburg, Texas. Ah, praise be to God! Praise be to God! To St. Mary's School, we gotta give one there. Maybe you can give it out as a prize to one of the kids. Be like, all right, kids, uh, we're gonna do a Catholic trivia show a game in the in the class, and whoever wins gets this Catholic Children's Adoration Journal. That'd be a really cool thing to do with your kids there. Uh, but God bless you, Terry. God love you, and uh, thank you for being a caller. Thank you. Absolutely. We're going to put you on hold. Don't go anywhere. We're going to get your contact information in just one moment, but that's going to do it for today. Tomorrow morning, we have more on Catholic Drive Time. So if you can join us, we'll be on during the after show. Join us on YouTube, Facebook, Rumble, Odyssey, and we will interact with you directly. If not, we'll see you back on the radio, 6 a.m. Central, 7 Eastern, right here on the Guadalupe Radio Network. God bless you. God love you. And we'll talk to you tomorrow. And remember, honor thy father and mother this day. Go give your parents some love. Give them a hug and a kiss. And we'll see you back soon. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. And the Guadalupe Radio Network now brings you the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass from the chapel at Our Lady of Corpus Christi in Corpus Christi, Texas. Mass for those who are joining us online and through Guadalupe Radio Media. Praise to the holiest in the height, and in the depth be praise. 
In all his words most wonderful, most sure in all his ways. O loving wisdom of our God, when all was sin and shame, a second Adam to the fight and to the rescue came. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. My brothers and sisters, let us acknowledge our sins and so prepare ourselves to celebrate the sacred mysteries. I confess to Almighty God and to you, my brothers and sisters, that I have greatly sinned in my thoughts and in my words, in what I have done and what I have failed to do, through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault. Therefore, I ask, Blessed Mary, ever-Virgin, all the angels and saints, and you, my brothers and sisters, to pray for me to the Lord our God. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. Let us pray. May your unfailing compassion, O Lord, cleanse and protect your church. And since without you she cannot stand secure, may she be always governed by your grace. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God forever and ever. Amen. Reading from the second book of Kings. Naaman, the army commander of the king of Aram, was highly esteemed and respected by his master, for through him the Lord had brought victory to Aram. But valiant as he was, the man was a leper. Now the Aramanians had captured in a raid on the land of Israel a little girl who became the servant of Naaman's wife. If only my master would present himself to the prophet in Samaria, she said to her mistress, he would cure him of his leprosy. Naaman went and told his lord just what the slave girl from the land of Israel had said. Go, said the king of Aram, I will send along a letter to the king of Israel. So Naaman set out, taking along ten silver talents, six thousand gold pieces, and ten festal garments. To the king of Israel he brought the letter which read, With this letter I am sending you my servant Naaman to you that you may cure him of his leprosy. When he read the letter, the king of Israel tore his garments and exclaimed, Am I a god with power over life and death, that this man should send someone to me to be cured of leprosy? Take note, you can see he is only looking for a quarrel with me. When Elijah, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his garments, he sent word to the king, Why have you torn your garments? Let him come to me and find out that there is a prophet in Israel. Naaman came with his horses and chariots and stopped at the door of Elijah's house. The prophet sent him the message, Go and wash seven times in the Jordan, and your flesh will heal, and you will be clean. But Naaman went out angry, saying, 
I thought that he would surely come out and stand there to invoke the Lord his God and would move his hand over the spot and thus cure the leprosy. Are not the rivers of Damascus and Abana and Parafar better than all the waters of Israel? Could I not wash in them and be cleansed? With this he turned about in anger and left. But his servants came up and reasoned with him. My father, they said, if the prophet had told you to do something extraordinary, would you not have done it? All the more now, since he has said to you, wash and be clean, should you do as he has said. So Naaman went down and plunged into the Jordan seven times at the word of the man of God. His flesh became again like the flesh of a little child, and he was clean. He returned with his whole retinue to the man of God. On his arrival, he stood before him and said, Now I know that there is no God in all the earth except in Israel. The word of the Lord. A thirst is my soul for the living God. When shall I go and behold the face of God? As the hind longs for the running waters, so my soul longs for you, O God. A thirst is my soul for the living God. When shall I go and behold the face of God? A thirst is my soul for God, the living God. When shall I go and behold the face of God? A thirst is my soul for the living God. When shall I go and behold the face of God? Send forth your light and your fidelity. They shall lead me on and bring me to your holy mountain, to your dwelling place. Thirst is my soul for the living God. When shall I go and behold the face of God? Then will I go into the altar of God, the God of my gladness and joy. Then I will give you thanks upon the harp, O God, my God. A thirst is a soul for the living God. When shall I go and behold the face of God? Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ, King of endless glory. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ, King of endless glory. I hope in the Lord, I trust in his word. With him there is kindness and plenteous redemption. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ, King of endless glory. The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Jesus said to the people in the synagogue at Nazareth, Amen, I say to you, no prophet is accepted in his own native place. Indeed, I tell you, there were many widows in Israel in the days of Elijah, when the sky was closed for three and a half years, and a severe famine spread over the entire land. It was to none of these that Elijah was sent, but only to a widow in Zarephath in the land of Sidon. Again, there were many lepers in Israel during the time of Elisha the prophet, yet not one of them was cleansed, but only Naaman the Syrian. When the people in the synagogue heard this, They were all filled with fury. They rose up, drove him out of the town, and led him to the brow of the hill on which their town had been built to hurl him down headlong. But he passed through the midst of them and went away. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ.
The responsorial psalm kind of brings us back to yesterday's gospel. A thirst is my soul for the living God. When shall I go and behold the face of God? You might remember it was there that the Samaritan woman encountered Jesus as a prophet. He told me everything that I had done. And she went, in fact, and told the whole town. They already, I'm sure they already knew what she had done. But anyway, she goes and, and that inspires them, inspires them to come to encounter Jesus themselves. But she encountered him as a prophet. And that's what we encounter in the, in, with Jesus in the gospel today. He says, no prophet is accepted in his own native place. And he proves it to them that the fact is there were many widows and there were many people who had leprosy in the time of the prophets, Elijah and Elisha, but none of them were cured except Naaman, which we hear in that first reading. You have to appreciate the story of Naaman. You know, obviously he is somebody who has great social status um, in, in, as a commander in the army. And he comes out with leprosy, so that's going to, of course, diminish his, uh, his, perhaps his influence. And so it's through this slave girl, this Israelite slave girl, that even the suggestion would come that he would go to Israel to be cured. And there he goes, and he meets, he doesn't even really meet Elisha the prophet, because Elisha stays in, inside, sends a messenger to tell him to go and, and, to, and to bathe in the waters, and he'll be cleansed. You imagine, I mean, this is somebody who's, who's got a lot of influence. I mean, talk about being, <laughs> that's not one way to in, uh, win, win friends and influence peoples, you know. But, it, of course, the, the word of the prophet was this, is that it does not come from him. It came, uh, the healing comes from the Lord and to do as the Lord has directed. Might be a little bit of something, one way, one perspective to look at this is that I think in this, this time of Lent, in this third week, that prophetic word of Jesus is going to take, uh, is going to strive to be rooted in our heart, but it's going to sometimes cause a reaction. For those, for those in his own hometown, it caused wrath and fury. It might do the same thing in us. Hopefully it causes a great humility and a recognition of our, our weakness, but then we, so that we can come before God to be cured and to be healed. But if you look at those things that we determined to do in this season of Lent, particularly those disciplines of prayer and fasting and almsgiving, some of us probably came and we had we really had our set plan and everything. This is what we're going to do, and we were looking for this particular fruit to be, to be born. If you're like me, you know, past times I had I really had a, a really good plan. And then as the years have come, gone by, I always kind of come into Lent sort of stumbling in, wondering what the heck I should do. Because then, then I'm start asking the Lord, okay, what is it that I need to change? How do I need to conform my life more to yours? And as it seems like as the holy season of Lent goes on, that prophetic word begins to become louder and louder. It's like, change, or do you need to work on this, this one thing? And so then, of course, those practices, disciplines of prayer, fasting, and almsgiving become more intense. But sometimes we come in with a big plan and we're, we're looking for the fruit. We think, you know, if I do all this, this is going to be the result. And it just maybe we're not bearing as much fruit as we thought, or maybe we're not bearing any fruit. And that's where we, that prophetic word really needs to, we need to listen more deeply. Because we recognize it's not, you know, like Elisha, or sorry, like Naaman that came and says, I thought he would come out, you know, wave his hand around the spot, and this, you know, this would happen, and it would all be done. But what that prophetic word was asking him to do was something quite different quite different. I could go to any river in my hometown. Why do I got to go to this dirty river, you know? But what, is, what did the servant say? If, if he had told you to do something extraordinary, wouldn't you have done it? He's asking you to do something very simple. 
And that prophetic word, interestingly enough, the prophetic word of Jesus, which causes that reaction, it, it, it inspires us to change, often is very simple. All those things of prayer, fasting, and we even sometimes make it so complicated. It's very, very simple. But we, not, we, we want to invite to listen to that prophetic word and then to respond generously to that word and not to reject it. If we need some help on what we need to change in our life, ask your spouse, ask your friends. <laughs> They're maybe more than willing to tell you, maybe too willing to tell you. But then we recognize then where we need to change and what the Lord is really asking of us so that we can bear tremendous fruit, which is what God wills in our life. May we accept that prophetic word. We know as Jesus experienced in the gospel, the hardest people to speak the truth of that prophetic word is to our own family. It's easier to speak it to a stranger. A lot of people do it online. <laughs> but it's the hardest in our family, and then sometimes it's hardest to hear from those who are closest and are even in our community. Let us be open said, to that word, so that, that it can have that tr desired tremendous effect of first inspiring us, but then also leading us to deep healing and to conform our life more deeply to Christ. We should pour forth prayers at all times, dear brothers and sisters, but above all in these days of Lent, we ought to watch more intently with Christ, direct our petitions more fervently to God. For the whole Christian people that in this sacred time they be, may be more abundantly nourished by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Let us pray to the Lord. For the whole world that in lasting tranquility and peace our days may truly become the acceptable time of grace and salvation. Let us pray to the Lord. For sinners everywhere, for sinners in the universal church, for the neglectful, that in this time of reconciliation they may return to Christ. Let us pray to the Lord. For ourselves, that God may at last stir up in our hearts aversion for our sins. Let us pray to the Lord. For those, for the intentions of those joining us online through Guadalupe Radio Media, for those enrolled in our Salt Mass Association, for the intentions that we hold most dearly and deeply in our hearts, we pray to the Lord. Grant, we pray, O Lord, that your people may turn to you with all their heart, so that whatever they dare ask in fitting prayer, they may receive by your mercy, through Christ our Lord. Amen. Blessed are you, Lord God of all creation, for through your goodness we have received the bread we offer you, fruit of the earth and work of human hands. It will become for us the bread of life. Blessed be God. Blessed are you, Lord God of all creation, for through your goodness we have received the wine we offer you. Fruit of the vine, a work of human hands, it will become our spiritual drink. Blessed be God forever.
pray, dearly beloved, that my sacrifice and yours may be acceptable to God, the Almighty Father. May what we offer you, O Lord, in token of our service, be transformed by you into the sacrament of salvation through Christ our Lord. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is truly right and just, our duty and our salvation, always and everywhere to give you thanks, Lord, Holy Father, Almighty and Eternal God, through Christ our Lord. For by your gracious gift each year, your faithful await the sacred Paschal Feast with the joy of minds made pure, so that more eagerly intent on prayer and on the works of charity and participating in the mysteries by which they have been reborn, they may be led to the fullness of grace that you bestow on your sons and daughters. And so with angels and archangels, with thrones and dominions, with all the hosts and powers of heaven, we sing the hymn of your glory as without end we acclaim. Sanctus, Sanctus, Sanctus Dominus Deus Sabaho, Plenis Ungeli et Terra, Gloria Tua, Hosanna in excelsis, Benedictus, qui venit in nomine Domini, Hosanna, in you are indeed holy, O Lord, the fount of all holiness. Make holy, therefore, these gifts, we pray, by sending down your spirit upon them like the dewfall, so that they may become for us the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. At the time he was betrayed and entered willingly into his passion, he took bread and, giving thanks, broke it gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and eat of it, for this is my body, which will be given up for you. In a similar way, when supper was ended, he took the chalice, and once more giving thanks, he gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and drink from it, for this is the chalice of my blood, the blood of the new and eternal covenant, which will be poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in memory of me. The mystery of faith, save us, Savior of the world. For by your cross and resurrection, you have set us free. Therefore, as we celebrate the memorial of his death and resurrection, we offer you, Lord, the bread of life and the chalice of salvation, giving thanks that you have held us worthy to be in your presence and minister to you. Humbly we pray that, partaking of the body and blood of Christ, we may be gathered into one by the Holy Spirit. 
Remember, Lord, your church spread throughout the world and bring her to the fullness of charity, together with Francis, our Pope, and Michael, our Bishop, and all the clergy. Remember also our brothers and sisters who have fallen asleep in the hope of the resurrection, and all who have died in your mercy. Welcome them into the light of your face. Have mercy on us all, we pray, that with the Blessed Virgin Mary, Mother of God, with Blessed Joseph, her spouse, with the Blessed Apostles, and all the saints who have pleased you throughout the ages, we may merit to be co-heirs to eternal life and may praise and glorify you through your Son, Jesus Christ. Through him and with him and in him, O God, Almighty Father, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all glory and honor is yours forever and ever. Amen. At the Savior's command, informed by divine teaching, we dare to say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Deliver us, Lord, we pray, from every evil. Graciously grant peace in our days, that by the help of your mercy we may be always free from sin and safe from all distress, as we await the blessed hope in the coming of our Savior, Jesus Christ. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Lord Jesus Christ, who said to your apostles, Peace I leave you, my peace I give you. Look not on our sins, but on the faith of your church. Graciously grant her peace and unity in accordance with your will, who live and reign forever and ever. The peace of the Lord be with you always. The offerings are the sign of peace. Agnus Dei, qui tolis peccata mundi, miserere nobis. Agnus Dei, qui tolis peccata mundi, miserere nobis. Agnus Dei, Qui tolis peccata mundi, dona nobis pacem. Behold the Lamb of God. Behold him who takes away the sins of the world. Blessed are those called to the supper of the Lamb. Lord, I am not worthy you should enter under my roof. Only say the word, and my soul shall be. O oh, praise the Lord, all you nations, for his merciful love towards us is great. For those who are unable to receive our Lord sacramentally at this time, we invite you to pray the act of spiritual communion with us. My Jesus, I believe that you are present in the most holy sacrament. 
I love you above all things, and I desire to receive you into my soul. Since I cannot at this moment receive you sacramentally, come at least spiritually into my heart. I embrace you as if you were already there, and unite myself wholly to you. Never permit me to be separated from you. Amen. Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Let us pray. May communion in this your sacrament, we pray, O Lord, bring with it purification and the unity that is your gift through Christ our Lord. The Lord be with you. Bow down for the blessing. May your right hand, we ask, O Lord, protect this people that makes entreaty to you. Graciously purify them and give them instruction that finding solace in this life, they may reach the good things to come through Christ our Lord. Now, mighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Go forth, the Mass is ended. Thanks be to God. Ave Regina Celorum, Ave Domina Angel. The Prayer to St. Michael St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. 
And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. Prayer of Deliverance Almighty God and Father, we beg thee through the intercession and help of the archangels St. Michael, Raphael, and Gabriel for the deliverance of our brothers and sisters who are enslaved by the evil one from anxiety, sadness, and obsessions. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From hatred, fornication, and envy. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From thoughts of jealousy, rage, and death. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every thought of suicide and abortion. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every form of sinful sexuality. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every division in our family and every harmful friendship. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every sort of spell, malefice, witchcraft, and every form of the occult. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. Thou who said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, grant that through the intercession of the Virgin Mary we may be liberated from every demonic influence and enjoy thy peace always. In the name of Christ our Lord. Amen. Celebrating 2,000 years of truth, this is the Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul. James Pineda with the Catholic Organization of Life. You're listening to AM 1430, KSHJ Houston, the glue that holds Houston's Catholic community together. Part of the Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul. 